7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On. Hope you enjoyed your holiday and uh, took a deserved break from work. But the show must go on. So we are here. Tabiso Musia is me. Katla Khumudiba and Liolom Kalipi are producing the show. And Sylvester Komane is our technical producer. We like to talk all things boxing on a Wednesday. And we'll do so again uh, tonight. Uh, we'll actually speak to Zolani Tete, who is back home from the US. Um, his fight against Nonito Donet did not happen because uh, Zolani picked up a shoulder injury just Days before the fight, he went to go see a doctor in the U.S. and he was forced to pull out of that a fight. And uh, we'll speak to him and just get his reaction and find out how is his shoulder doing and how is his shoulder um, holding up. And uh, Nonito Donet had to go on and fight Stefan Young, who he knocked out. So he's through to the final now. And we'll also actually speak to Nonito Donet on our show tonight, all the way from the U.S. Should be an interesting conversation. Then we'll also go to Boxing South Africa. They announced uh, this week. The nominees for the SA Boxing Awards, they'll be held on the 17th of May at the Sentin Convention Center. So we'll speak to the CEO, Mr. Tulufelo Lijaka, about those nominations. And we also received a nomination here on SAFM Spot On. And we'd like to thank you for those who've showed faith in us. It seems like the boxing community um, appreciates uh, the efforts that we are trying to do every Wednesday as we try to put boxing, boxing back on the map. So we've received a nomination at the SA Boxing Awards there. And uh, well done to everybody involved with the show and all those that contribute to the show especially when we talk boxing but um, there is another story that we have to address and I'm sure you will agree with us. Casta Semenya, uh, the ruling of the Court of Arbitration for Sport came out earlier today. They ruled in favor of the IAAF's regulations which means that Casta Semenya then lost her appeal but I've, I've gone through the statement, the two page statement that we received initially at the Court of Arbitration for Sport said that they will release a full, uh, another statement later on uh, this evening so we're still waiting for that but there's a lot uh, that I think uh, need some, we need some clarity on in uh, the statement released uh, by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So we're going to speak to Professor Steve Cornelius. You'll remember he was part of Custer's defense team. He's also the man that actually quit his job at the IAAF after they said that they will come up with these regulations and we'll find out from Professor Steve Cornelius how does he understand this ruling? What does he make of this ruling? Because there's also a part where they say that they do believe that the regulations are discriminatory but again they say that discrimination is necessary and also uh, the IAAF had asked for the regulations to apply from events from the 400 meters to the mile but the Court of Arbitration for Sports says there's not enough evidence to suggest that women with high testosterone levels have an advantage in the longer distances so we'll find out from Professor Steve Cornelius about that. Feel free to join our conversation at any time on 0891 104207 that's our studio number and you can uh, send voice notes on WhatsApp 061 Hashtag SAFM Sport On. So then let's speak to Professor Steve Cornelius now, former IAAF tribunal, tribunal member, of course, as Casta Semenya once again dominates the headlines. Prof, a good evening and thank you once again for finding time to speak to us here on SAFM. Good evening and thank you for having me on board. Before we get your reaction on the ruling, Prof, it's almost a year now since you resigned from the IAAF because of these regulations that they were going to implement. How do you look back at that decision? Uh, I was asked that a few times uh, today. Um, I, I'm still comfortable that I made the right decision and that um, uh, uh, I did what I felt was, was the appropriate one. Um, I, I still have reservations, and, and the Court of Arbitration for Sport actually confirmed those as well. Um, reservations about um, 
subjecting people to treatment for non-medical reasons. Mm. And, and I think that was also vindicated recently when the World Medical Association made an announcement to that effect. Um, so, yes, it, it uh, was an interesting time. I, I never expected the reaction that I got, but um, looking back, I would do it all again. Well, you've certainly received a lot of support for that decision, Prof. But what was your initial reaction to this ruling that came out at midday? Well, I was very disappointed uh, for two reasons. Um, obviously, that um, the ruling was, was not a positive one for Casa Semenya and the other athletes affected by it. But um, secondly, also, because if you look at, at, at what was said, and, and we are still studying the full ruling, we, we haven't, it hasn't been publicly released yet. Mm. Um, but um, it, it looks like the, the Court of Arbitration for Sport has not given us a definitive answer. It's, well, we, we uphold the regulations, but we've got concerns about the implementation, we've got concerns about the health of the athletes, and we can revisit it. And, and I think that's very unsatisfactory. Was this a majority decision or not? Uh, yes, apparently it was a majority decision. So uh, th- that is not unusual in law. We often see that. Um, but in, in a matter of this magnitude, it would have been nice to have a unanimous decision mm. that, that set a precedent that we could follow. And, and we don't have that. Now, where it gets tricky from the, 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 the bit that we've all received, like you said, we're still waiting for the full ruling. The panel says they found out that the DSD regulations are discriminatory, but at the same time, they feel that such discrimination is necessary and reasonable. Now, why do you, what do you understand by this? I think it's important to keep in mind that discrimination in itself is not necessarily unlawful. Um, discrimination must be unfair to be unlawful. So um, um, to give you an example, um, if if we talk about employment equity in South Africa, one could label that potentially as as a form of discrimination. But because of the history that we have and because of the imbalances we need to redress, that is a form of fair discrimination, which is is lawful. So what, what the panel has ruled is, yes, it is discrimination, but the majority feels that there is a legitimate purpose that is being served and therefore it would be lawful. Um, the minority, which would obviously be one of the panel members, um, uh, clearly disagreed and felt that the regulations were disproportionate to the benefit that they are trying to achieve. They also say, Prof, that uh, Custer's defense team was unable to prove that the DSD regulations are invalid. What was our case? What was the basis of our argument? Well, I think the, the the argument revolved around a number of issues. The first one was that the science is just not clear enough to base policy decisions on it. Uh, the second one was that, that the regulations are discriminatory. Um, there was also the issue that the it is not certain the extent that these regulations could cause harm to the athletes that are subjected to them. And um, then other human rights arguments as well, such as um, human dignity and and, um, freedom of the person and so on. Um, So so there were quite a number of issues. Mm. Uh, I think the the, the conclusion that the court made, um, as I've indicated it, probably relates to any court procedure. If you challenge a decision of a body, such as in this case, then the party challenging the decision bears the burden of proof to convince the court that 
the decision is unlawful. And clearly the, the, the arbitration panel in this case felt that uh, although there were concerns and issues, it was not sufficient to convince them to overturn the decision of the International Am- uh, um, Association of Athletics Federations. Okay. What also came out is that there's not enough evidence to prove that these high levels of testosterone give advantage in the fifteen hundred meters. How then do you under- do you then understand how do how do they give advantage in a two lap race instead of a three and a half lap race? Well, I think that's that's the question that that we were trying to prove in this case was that the science is simply not clear enough uh, to indicate that. Now, that that for me also is an interesting one because. The problem also is it's the entire set of regulations that were challenged. So to say, well, we're not convinced in one part, but we're still going to uphold it, is, is really also um, a, a bit unsatisfactory. Um, in, in respect of the 1500, they've suggested that the IAAF should reconsider, but um, uh, it's, it's not a, an obligation as I see it. They, they could... Um, decide not to change the regulations mm. you did raise concern well they also raised concerns about the methods used to lower these levels now the implementation of dsd regulations which is what you touched on even cases concerned and which makes things even trickier i guess but i think that's the, the uh, what what makes this ruling and and what we know of it so far a, a bit strange is to say that well, we're not going, we think it's proportionate, but we don't know how you're going to implement it. Um, um, because there are serious concerns, as they expressed, on whether the methods that they want to use to, to um, lower the testosterone, whether it is actually effective and whether athletes, if, even if they take the medication regularly, whether it will um, keep their testosterone at the levels that they should keep it. Um, so again, that, that raises the question of the proportionality. If, if a regulation cannot properly be implemented, then, then it should not be there, I think. Because there are also concerns about the side effects, what, what the possible out- effects of the, of the side effects. Exactly, and, and that from the outset was my concern, that we subject healthy people to medical treatment for non-medical reasons, and we don't know what the effects of that would be. And, and I think that... That position was also vindicated to some extent by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, but also by the World Medical Association recently when they announced that they have concerns about the implementation of these regulations. So I I think um, in the end, this is not the final word of it. I think the the debate will go on um, and uh, things might change in, in future. I don't know. The court says it was restrict, restricted in their work due to the strict framework of the arbitration, so they have concerns with DSD regulations and have asked the IAAF to address these. How do you interpret that, Prof? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Um, obviously, their brief was to determine are the regulations valid or invalid. Um, they they could not come up with their own proposal of how they think it should look. That's that's not the function of a court. Mm-hmm. A court should rule on what it's asked for. So in that sense, I agree. But um, if if there are serious concerns about the regulations, then one should question whether they should be valid. And and um, either way, whether they upheld the regulations or dismissed it completely, I think we. 
from a sports world com, um, point of view and, and from spectators' point of view, it would have been very nice to have a final word on the matter. Mm. But it's almost as if they say, well, you haven't convinced us that it's unlawful, but things could take place in the near future that could change it. And um, so, so they still haven't expressed this final word on it. And I think that's, for me, very unsatisfactory. So are we almost back to where we were with duty chain, where they were told to go and do some more work and come come up with better evidence? It's, it's almost duty chain, but, but just reversed. So the, it's, it's almost now as if the word is to Castor Semenya and Athletic South Africa to say, well, you, you haven't convinced us, but come back with more work and, and we'll reconsider these regulations. So, um, the, and, and that's what I say. It, it's not giving us that final answer that we were looking for. And what happens now? Do you guys meet as a team and find a way forward or is your job now finished now? Um, well, the legal teams will be um, reviewing the, the um, judgment. Uh, they have received it. Um, it. It's not publicly available yet, but, but the legal teams have it. Mm-hmm. And they will probably look at what um, appeal options are available. Uh, those options are very limited in, in terms of Swiss law. Um, and, and I think uh, as the, the, the media or press release of, of the Court of Arbitration for Sport also mentioned, uh, there's a 30-day period now in yeah. which there can be an appeal to the Swiss courts. So um, I, I think we will know pretty soon if either of the two um, claimants in this case will, will take the matter further. And do you believe that Swiss Federal Court could come up with a different outcome? Uh, it's always plausible. Um, history has shown that they are very reluctant to, to intervene. Uh, one really needs to make a strong case for them. Uh, I think in the past, I can think of only about two or three instances where they have overturned a decision by the Court of Arbitration for Sports. Mm. Now, if she has to lower her testosterone now, how, or what's that process? How long is that process, considering that the world champs are in September, late September? Well, I'm not certain about that. Um, I'm, I'm not a medical expert mm. who, who will know that. Um, there were concerns, and, and the Court of Arbitration for Sport also mentioned that, whether it, it can be done effectively. Um, so, I don't know. We will have to wait and see if um, it, it can be done safely and effectively in the short space of time. Okay, Prof. Thank you very much for speaking to us. I know it's been a busy day for you, but we appreciate the time that you've given us, uh, Prof, and the work that you've done on this case. Thank you very much for having me. And and I'm sure the the entire legal team and and, uh, everybody also um, appreciates all the support we've had. Great stuff. Thank you, Professor Steve Cornelius, the man of his word. They took a decision, stands by it. And uh, what was initially said was that if Casta has to lower testosterone levels, then uh, she has to do that for a period of six months before she can race again. And my worry is that the world champs are in September. Oh, my maths wasn't that good. But May, June, July, August... September. I don't think that's 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 that that will be enough to make it to the world champs. But also, let's not forget. It's important to remember that these regulations do not apply to all the events. They only basically now apply to the 400 meters and to the 800 meters. Uh, in as far as Casta is concerned, uh, the court says that there is no proper evidence that says that they have an advantage in the 1500 meters. So she can still uh, do the 1500 meters from the way that I interpre- interpret uh, this ruling. And also, she can do the 5000 meters, of course. And I was at the SHMs. Last 
last weekend in Gemstein. She did the 5,000 meters and she won it. She did the double actually, 1,500 and 5,000 meters. So you know, Casta, she always comes back strongly and I think she could be looking at a real possibility now of probably going to the world champs to do the 1,500 meters and the 5,000 meters. But let's wait and see. Let's f- We'll find out as soon as we get it from her legal team what is the way forward. Are they going to appeal? They've got 30 days uh, to do so. But that's the ruling from the Court of Arbitration for Sport. They've ruled in favor of the IAAF. So Casta, as things stand now, will have to lower her testosterone levels in order to be able to compete in the 400 meters and the 800 meters, which is, of course, her favorite event, uh, which is where, where she's the two-time Olympic champion. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. And we're talking boxing now. There's been outpouring support for Uzolani Tete after he pulled out of his World Boxing Super Series semi-final against Nonito Doné due to a shoulder injury sustained in a training. And I remember when it first came out, when it was announced, it was actually last Wednesday, just after our show, just after we had uh, uh, spoken to, who were we speaking to last week? We'd spoken to his manager, uh, or we'd also spoken to Lois Omtia also. And everybody said, we are as hurt as Zolani. The pain that he's feeling is the pain that we are feeling. Everybody was really devastated. We were looking forward to that fight. We even spoke to Mam Joy Kreivenstein, who was saying that she's going to pray for Zolani. She wanted to know where she's going to watch the fight. Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't happen. And Zolani is back home now and he joins us on the line. And let's find out how he feels and what is next for him. Champ, uh, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us again on SAFM. Uh, thank you, Putuam, and thanks for having me on the show. Champ, how are you feeling after the fight did not happen? Uh, it was uh, very hurting and I'm very disappointed that uh, I didn't really clinch. Uh, you know, I was this close to clinching my but the shoulder didn't allow me to go and, 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 and achieve my dreams. Mm. And and I remember when we spoke to you, you were in such high spirit. You were looking to the forward to the fight. Everybody was looking to the fight. Uh, when when did you start feeling the problems with your shoulder? Uh, the shoulder actually started on a Monday of the following. Uh, on a Monday, as I was about to fight on Saturday. So uh, my, tra- my trainers, but you know, this shoulder is starting to give me pain now. And and the Tamla said, you know, we'll make a plan. Maybe it's it's nothing serious. And then when I when I get to the hotel about to sleep, I couldn't sleep with my right hand side. You know, that's how painful the shoulder was. Yeah. And I told them again, early in the morning, I think it was around about four AM in the morning that side. And I woke him up and I said, Tamla, I'm feeling this pain and I couldn't sleep. That's when he thought, Yeah, this thing is very serious. Then you ask promoter to take the doctor any hours of the morning. I think it was around about six in the morning. And we went to the doctors, and the doctor said, "Yeah, can see that your your shoulder uh, is, is a bit swollen, and and uh, he wants to do a scan." So we went for a scan, and the scan did show that uh, my shoulder tendon has pulled off. And he said, "There, there is no quicker way." Uh, to solve this thing other than putting a drug on it so that I don't feel it when I'm fighting. Mm. But the ordinary way is to just not train for a week or two to let it heal. So we we were caught up in the middle of that. And, and I, I said to you know, my trainer, let me try again on the second day and see how it feels because I want to fight. 
you know, and and I don't want to disappoint my people, but it was out it was out of my choice. I had to choose the right way. Hmm. So when you tried again the next day, you could feel that ah, uh-uh, it's not it's still giving you problems. It was it was so lame even more than it was a day before, and and I could feel that uh, there's nothing I can do. I went for a, a short session, short session in the morning on May Tuesday, and I could feel that no, there's nothing I can do. And I've been trying and trying to push, but as I've been trying, seemingly I was making it worse. Has your shoulder ever troubled you before? Was it a first-time injury? It it was the first time, my brother. And and how long are you now out for Zolani? And how serious is the injury? Uh, I'm going again for an MRI on Friday. So the doctor said they will they will be able to tell us how long the healing will take on Friday afternoon. Uh, so we'll know then if the shoulder is going to take a short time or maybe a very long time. Hoping because I want to fight uh, again because there's there's promises that maybe. Uh, the fight can be scheduled for for the June 15, but I'm hoping depending on the results of the doctor. You spent some time training with the Mayweather's in Vegas. We saw the p- pictures. Uh, how was that experience for you, and what did you learn from from those sessions? Uh, it was a good experience. I don't want to lie. And and, and my wish is each and every youngster that we have so that we can go and experience what. Uh, a uh, guy is very experienced, and he's got all the tactics. Uh, fortunately, he met someone who's been working with, with good trainers as well, because when I worked with Floyd, we clicked uh, within a blink of an eye. And mm. it was, it was, it's only because I've been working with people who knows what to do in the sport of boxing, you know. And I give credit to my trainers, Upralor, Showtime, Pumzile Machilao, Andy Lemoff, and everyone who's been working with me, because... These guys have made it easy for Floyd Mayweather to to put whatever he wanted to add on what I said, you know, going to the fight. So it was very good training with Floyd Mayweather, and I, I experienced a lot there. So, so when when you felt your shoulder when it flared up, were you still working with him, or were you in Lafayette at the time? We were in Lafayette at that time. Uh, it was it was the week of the fight, so Floyd Mayweather was supposed to join us on a on a Wednesday mm. of the week. So he was not there when, when we took that decision. And what do you say to some who feel that maybe you could have been overtrained ahead of the fight? Is that a possibility? I think that is a possibility because uh, uh, I'm that person who wants to make sure that I'm 100% fit. Uh, sometimes I would go and say, uh, I want to train more, you know, and my trainers would say, no, don't do not do it. But I'm that person who always wants to keep I don't want to go inside the ring when I'm not sure that I'm 100% fit. So I think I've worked myself. Uh, my trainers were there always trying to, 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 to hold me. You know, that guy who always gives, gives, gives uh, a lot of effort when it comes to training. And I think uh, that's why my shoulder had, had, had gone uh, that direction. So, so you, do you think you could have taken it easy or that's just you, you just want to train? I think if I had a bit of rest, uh, you know, uh, because I've been working since December and I wanted to make sure that uh, I'm super fit for this fight because I know Nandito is not an easy fight. So if I had a little bit of break, maybe during uh, my preparation in February or March, maybe this couldn't have happened. But I didn't want to rest. 
I don't want to lie. My my team gave me some time to rest. You know, if they, instead of resting, I would wake up and go and run and go and train myself if my trainers were there. Mm. Like like I would I would I would try myself that I'm going to the to the gym and I would go and train because I wanted this team so badly. I wanted to be unified champion so badly. Yeah, and let's go to the voice note. We've got a voice note that's come through on WhatsApp oh six one four one oh four one oh seven. If you've just joined us, we are speaking to Zolani Tete. Uh, good evening, Tabiso and U- Uzolani. Um, this is Uchusia from PE. Uh, Tabiso, firstly, I blame Itim Kazolani Tete. Not Yena, I blame the manager Yaki because if the, the, the manager um, did his homework and, and, and secure a visa of the chief trainer Kazolani Tete, then the shoulder injury wouldn't have happened. It's because of our as a trainer as higher Shileyo, which is the manager by USA, that that did this thing. So I blame Yena. And if I was Zolani Ted, I would fire Upram Latengimfen immediately because he's the one who failed to Zolani Ted. And 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 I want to ask Zolani Tete. Does he know when when will the injury is is he given a, a specific time when will the injury um get better or when will he get back to the ring? Okay, Juicy, yeah, I think he's answered the last part of your question. But Zolani, what's your reaction to that, to what he said? Uh, let me correct you, Pralo. Okay, uh, manager um, is always uh, trying to make sure that Uzolan is, is in good condition. Uzolan is well prepared. Uh, injury didn't happen only because uh, there were no trainers of mine in America. Uh, in America, there was nothing that I was doing SFA that could have caused Noba could lose a shoulder. The only thing we were doing in America was the strategy of the fight. As a result, we were not doing much of that. We were talking about it while we are training. So the trainers that were hired there is only Floyd Mayweather. Some of my trainers from here were there. It was only Oprah Lloyd and Showtime who were here. Mm. And the visa issue, I think Tamla has explained it. You know, if Visa Lloyd has delayed, we all applied at the same time. And the Oprah Lloyd didn't have to go for an interview here you know, for the visas. We had to go for the interview. Oprah Lois, ARK visa was only sent a passport for Indoba ARK visa to be to be issued. So that is why visa Oprah Lois delayed. As a result, if visa ARK was approved yesterday, only when we were flying back home. Mm. That's how delayed it was. So it's never a fault Katamla or any of the person who was working with me in America. Yeah, and I think it's a bit unfair on you to to explain visa issues because you're a boxer. You should just uh, focus on uh, on the fight there. That should have nothing to do with you, uh, Zolani. But but were you disappointed that the likes of Loiso and Mikiza and Kid were not there? Yes, Putama was very disappointed. But I was hoping that uh, if Visaga Pralois would 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 be approved by the if you remember we left on the ninth. Hoping that Upralos will follow on the 12th because they said if he sent his passport, they will quickly attend to it and send him. Mm. So, hoping 
easy vehicle to quickly send. As a result, Tamlao was busy trying to arrange, you know, but his visa must be in a quick process. So <clears throat> I just want to say everyone must blame on Tamlao. I hear people are blaming him, and yes, of course, I'm a boxer, and I don't want I don't want to answer issues with visa, but the whole team, including Mopra Lawyers and Showtime, they know this thing. They mm. understand it. And I'm, yeah, I'm fortunately sure that people don't know uh, the, the depth of this thing, but the whole team knows it. And were you aware of the talk that was going on in South Africa about this issue when you were there, or did the camp try to shield you away from the negative comments? Uh, you know, I, I was aware, but my team is always looking after me, so they didn't tell me the depth of it. They just said people are talking about super laws on Facebook. I said, I'd, you know what, I don't want to put uh, anything off Facebook. You know. My focus is to train here. I know the law is what he was hoping for, and I know he will join me before I fight. That was my hope, and that was that's what I, I believed in. So I knew that if I Lois will be there with me in the ring. As a result, I was talking to him, and I, I would tell him that, Lois, I so wish you were here next to me, because I know some of these things, you can explain them to me in a very different way than the other guys that are explaining yeah. And and now when you pulled out of the fight, were you aware that you would be replaced or was the camp hoping that the fight could be rescheduled? Our hope was the fight could be rescheduled. Uh, but we, we knew that uh, the WPSS has got a rule that if a fighter uh, if a fighter doesn't make it, maybe he doesn't make weight or he pulls out, then they will have a replacement because the fight has to go on. So we were a bit aware, that, but we thought maybe... Maybe the fact that it is a semi-final and it is education bout, they will try and rescue the fight. Yeah. So that was our hope, uh, and we are hoping that maybe they will give us a chance. Maybe after Unonito has faced the final. Mm. And and oh, okay. So you want so you want to take on the winner, or you want to take on Nonito? Uh, even if they would say I must fight Nonito, or I must fight the winner between Nonito, whoever he will be with in the finals. And it was going to be a big payday. We've spoken about it before. Ten million US dollars up for grabs, about one hundred and forty million rand. Does it hurt even more? Uh, it does hurt because we're in the sport of boxing uh, to try and make a living for our families. So yes, it was in my mind that at least I'll, I'll, I'll have that price. But you know that price is not worth uh, uh, my shoulder. Mm. You know my health is very important. Mm. And and I mean I'm still a WPO world champion and I can make again a unification bout. Unfortunately, I'll have make I'll I'll have to make again that money. We saw you, those of us who watched the fight, that you were there ringside for the fight. What did you make of the fight then between Nonito and Stefan Young? You know, uh, firstly I must say the guy who was fighting Nonito is very skillful, and 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 I'm sure. If he was, he was preparing for Unonito, he could have done better. The boy showed skill, you know, and, and for me, watching the fight, I could see all the flaws that we were working on that we knew that we were going to take Unonito out with. Unonito was, was right in front of the guy, not that he, he was just throwing the punches. So what we prepared for Unonito, I'm telling you now, Mika, Unonito was not going to last in the seventh round. And on that note, we've actually got Nonito Doné live on the line all the way from New Orleans. Nonito, good evening. Thanks for joining us on SAFM in South Africa. Hi, thank you for having me. 
Just a word to Zolani Nonito. We are all hurting here. South Africa is devastated after he could not fight against you, uh, but he had to protect his shoulder and look after himself. Uh, what would you like to say to him while he still is still on the line with us? Well, things are happening for for for, for some reason. You know, he didn't. He, it, there's always going to be an opportunity to make things to make the fight happen. You know, as as it is with me, I'm there to fight the best. You know, and he still holds the belt. Um, that 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 is something that I am looking forward to, but it's it, you know it's uh, as a fighter this is where I am, and and he made the right choice um, by 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 trying by being at a hundred percent, and and I would have done the same thing. Um, so we'll just have to meet in a, another time. Uh, wise words from you, Nonito Donezolani. Anything you want to say to Nonito? Yeah, firstly, I want to congratulate the champ. You know, he he has proved uh, that he is one of the best. Uh, and and unfortunately, we couldn't fight. I am pretty much sure that if we had, we had fought, we could have we could have given the best fight for the fans. Uh, I, I hope so. Sometime this year, we will have to meet again and fight because it's one of the best fights that I've ever wanted in my life. You know, and and I believe the champion will remain the champ when the finals goes. Great stuff. Zolani, we're going to let you go, but we'll continue speaking to Nonito. Keep your head up, man, and all the best, and keep us updated with your progress. Thank you very much, my brother. Thank you, Zolani. Nonito, just stay on the line with us. We'll take a short break, and we'll come back to you. SAFM 104-107 Nationwide. So the Filipino Flash is joining us all the way from New Orleans. And once again, congratulations on the win, Nonito. But how was the fight for you against Stefan Young, considering that he was a late replacement? Did you have to change anything? Um, it was, we had to change a lot of things, actually, because Stefan Young was very, uh, he was not the same height as Zolani. His, his, his style was different from Zolani. He moved to a different uh, direction than Zolani and... and you know, he used the opposite hand that Zulani is 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 is, uh, is very known for as well. Mm. Uh, so we have to just put so much difference in um, in the style. You know, it, we have to to make a different game style uh, game plan as as we were fighting every round to figure out um, Stefan Young. So yeah, that that was that was a little bit of difficult because. For very long, for months, since November of last year, we actually pre- prepared how to fight Zolani Tete. And, and during that couple of days, we had to scrap everything in that instant to, uh, to, to beat uh, um, Stefan Young. Well, you were clearly ahead before that stunning knockout. But did he give you any trouble? Did he hurt you? Because like Zolani said, he did show some flashes of brilliance. There was there was some some things that I allowed myself to uh, to be hit by because I was setting up pretty much the setup that left hook. Yeah. Um, but we because we were very certain how how he fought and you know from from that moment on we we, we saw where he was capable of and and I felt that I can take it to get something from it. So I took the punch. To get uh, um, to get my punch, you know. But if I was fighting uh, the likes of Zolan and Tete, then it would have been a different different type of fight, you know. I go according to what what was in front of me, able yeah. to adapt and, and 
and take victory. And and what a punch it was that counter left hook landing flush on Yang's jaw, lights out. There was no way he was going to come back uh, from that. Uh, do you think you would have got a tougher fight from Zolani? I, I believe so. I, Zolani is a very smart guy. You know, Stefan Yang was very slick and smart as well. Um, you know, it, it, we just have to really kind of be inside the ring uh, in order for us to really truly understand. Um, but I believe that Zolani would have given me a, a, a lot tougher fight. I mean, he has tremendous punch and as well as he has a good boxing IQ so which would give me a lot of excitement just being just thinking about it to be able to go in the ring with Zelani Tete. Yeah, he would have been the fourth South African that you fight, Nonito. You've uh, beaten uh, uh, Babyface Mtalane, Vekeka, Jeffrey Matebula. What's your formula for South Africans? You know, you guys are very you guys are very uh, um, talented, you know, with a lot of heart, with a lot of a lot of skills as well, and for me, I just have to to really train hard, to really study. And, and you know, every time that I have fought a South African, I was given a lot of time to break down the strategy. Like what I have with Zelani Tete, I had a lot of time to break down his style. You know, I, I when I fight like the likes of of, of Stefan Young, it was just to kind of go along whatever able to adapt to a situation but with Zelani it would be a different story because I have the time to, uh, to prepare for it and, and that's why I'm always at my best when I'm fighting uh, South Africans because I know that they have the capability and the talent to make the fights dangerous and they're always going to be dangerous. And who was the toughest of the three in your opinion? You know um, it's it, I mean, they had their own quality of toughness. You know, Vitieka was 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 a tough one. You know, th- those guys were bigger. Um, the taller Matebula uh, uh, was was also tough. And of course, I think one thing that was really tough for me was uh, was Matalani was was uh, was very tough guy. He was right in front of you, and, and you know, he, he was it was he was one of the toughest guys. Um, of just being right in front of you. So, uh, you know, all the guys I've, I've faced have their own toughness and all, all quality that, that can, you know, that can rival any, any world champion. Yeah. And finally, Nonito, a lot's been said now about a possible final with Inoue, uh, the Japanese monster. Even after the fight, actually, you actually said something like that in the post-match fight. Uh, is, is there rivalry or is, did you guys talk about it? Did you tell him that you're going to meet in the final? In a way, you know, because when we were talking, when he was asked a question about me, he said that I will get to the finals, or he he hopes for me to get to the finals, you know. And and I was just giving him the same respect. We have like uh, not a it's a rival, it's a friendly rivalry that we want to face each other. You know, we've always have respected each other. You know, he when when I was when he was growing up to uh, to become a professional fighter. He's looked up to me, and, and so what's the best way to to get to the different realm is, is to challenge the person that you look up to. So that's, I guess that's something that me and, and Inoue have is because we want to meet each other because of, of the respect that we have, but because we kind of support each other in, 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 in the essence that we believe we can, try, we can get ourselves to the finals. Does it mean you see him getting past Rodriguez then? Well, Rodriguez is not is not a walk in the park kind of guy. I mean, anybody in this tournament is not walk uh, in the park kind of guy. You know, especially Rodriguez. 
Uh, he's a he's a great fighter, and, and anything can happen. I mean, for me, I look at it as a 50-50 in my eyes. And and finally, Nonito, you're four division champion. What would what what would it mean for you to win this WBSS and get that Muhammad Ali trophy? You know, it, it means a lot to me because it brings back all the desire, all the hard work, all the ups and downs in my career. You know, to be to be able to accomplish that, it's it, it's like it's a dream come true, and it gets me closer to my biggest goal, which is to become undisputed champion of the world. Great stuff. Nonito, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us. We really, really appreciate it. And send our regards to your team and Bones Kenny Adams there. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Thank you. That is the Filipino flesh, Nonito Doné, who is through to the final of the WBSS. Up next, we speak to Boxing South Africa CEO, Mr. Tulufelo Lijaka, about the SA Boxing Awards, which the nominations were announced earlier this week. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. And now let's uh, wrap up the conversation with the SA Boxing Awards. And uh, they were launched this week. The nominees were announced and CEO Mr. Tsulili Jaka joins us on the line. CEO, good evening and thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much, Tabiso, for having me. Uh, to the Firstly, just the choice of venue for the, um, for the <laughs> nominees announcement. It looks like there was something behind that. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, uh, you know, sometimes I'd love to take credit, but uh, honestly, it's important. Uh, the director of operations, Ms. Ngomu, wanted to ask to go to the team in Soweto. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I now told the chairperson um, that we are going to a gym in Soweto, because from our side, we wanted to profile our the facilities where boxers uh, are produced from. Um, and Dr. Nadani said, no, 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 you know what? Uh, if we are in Soweto, let us go to Uncle Tom's Hall. Yeah. Because it takes it to the next level. The, the boxing heritage in that venue is at a different level and it has never been told. Uh, so, you know, then the the puzzle just came together because from the side of Gauteng as well, they were excited about that. There's some discussions that we're having with Gauteng Tourism. At the moment, I can only mention the concept, mm. uh, which we call the boxing route. Because you can actually weave together a, a pathway around housing of critical moments, monuments, and places that speaks boxing uh, and retracing it, the history in it. So we went to Uncle to to, to Uncle Tom's Hall, um, and 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 it, it assisted us to reconnect uh, with the, the history of boxing at a time when South Africa is celebrating its 25th anniversary of Freedom Day. Yeah. And with any awards nominations list being being revealed, there will always be talk. People will say, why is this one not there? Why is this one not there? I mean, that's just the nature of it. That's just how it works. But just for the benefit of our listeners again, can you take us through that nomination process and what gets taken into account? Okay, Tabiso, I'm going to start with a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> if you allow me before. Uh, there's an adjudication committee. The process, the way it starts is that um, we put together a rule book. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes the rule book would be amended. For example, there's one critical amendment that was done in the rule book of this year, 2018, and I will speak to that later. Uh, and then we put together the second component, which is the adjudication panel. Uh, the adjudication panel has not really been changed in the past three years. It is, it is headed by Mr. Kulile Khadu. So the, the adjudication committee is quite experienced. They know each other well. They know the rule book. They've handled this thing now. This is the third time they are handling it. Um, and then we then call for nominations. 
And this is sometimes where we get let down because you'll find that um, some of the people that are really deserving, uh, they are not nominated. Mm. Uh, and some of them are people that you would have expected a manager to nominate because he's an athletic a boxer. Um, and then the adjudication committee will then sit, look at the product on the table, look at the rule book, contrast the product against the rule book, and, some, and they have also powers um, at, at some point because, you know, we are not strict to a point where if you have not uh, filled the nomination form properly, would disqualify you. We, we understand that some of our people, the literacy levels, are not at a point where you need to be, you know, um, micro-criticizing everything. Mm. So you've got a panel that understands that. So they will do their work, and then uh, once they've done the work, we do not interfere or temper with their product. So you would not have a situation where <coughs> the CEO or the board has sent back the nomination and said, no, no, uh, why is so-and-so not there? That can only happen where there's a material error. Um, but uh, in this case, because we are dealing with an experienced panel, we, we honestly uh, respected their work. So they had the liberty, the freedom to do the work. And when we now met uh, in this Monday, uh, it was a platform for them to present the product which they have prepared. The rule book has a clause in it under Section 7 for appeals. So it says within 24 hours after the announcement, if for whatever reason there's a person that is aggrieved, they can uh, write to the appeals committee that is chaired by yet another board member, Mr. Lutando Cech. Uh, and so far, I can confirm that we've received a grievance. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm aware of one. I'm not sure if later, by close of business Tuesday, there's anything that came through. So those who will be attended to will look at if there is a grievance that has merit, obviously it will be attended to. And then if it, it will result in us making amendments to the product that we had announced, we will do so. You'll remember last year actually that did happen. Yes, 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 I do. I do. One of the categories. Okay, we've got <coughs> a, we've got a voice note that's come through. Good day. I am Anisaka from East London. I'd love to hear from the CEO the, the reasons or reason that led to their removing of the category of the matchmaker of the year which was uh, uh, in uh, in the last uh, awards or what what was considered secondly the the question of a prospect of the year award which is mind-boggling if you say that there is a boxer who is holding a national title there uh, currently he's a, he's, a, he's a champion uh, how does that uh, how is that done okay thank you for that let's uh, let's get that one uh, it's been common also the one about the matchmaker especially okay the reason we took out the matchmaker is because there are certain categories where uh, the level of competition is not high not because of fault of the practitioners themselves but because of the nature of the beast matchmakers uh, i can tell you i can count them uh, in one hand and those that have really been active uh, we treat my so Already, they, 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 they are shortlisted by nature of them being few. Uh, so what, what has happened is that that category, the board considered it uh, by recommendation of the adjudication committee. But you know what? This is a straight jacket arrangement because we still, it's still not, we still don't have enough pool for qualitative competition. The year before that, we also had another category, Association of the Year. And when you look at it, there are only two associations 
the Eastern Cape, the Gauteng, and it is only in the category of promoters. So it was in line with that type of an argument that you don't have qualitative competition in that space as yet. And when you look at other spaces, so let's take a, a media personality of the year. We actually need to segregate that category because a, a reporter, a presenter, a photographer, a blogger, mm. all of them are accommodated under one category, and it's an undesirable situation. So quite honestly, we look at material conditions on the ground. Where do you have fears? Uh, 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 qualitative competition so that we, we allow for that. So the, the, it, it was against that reasoning, honestly, that we, we decided as such on matchmaker of the year. Coming to the second point, Tabiso, if you would allow me, yes, of, yes, uh, what Skelelo mentioned. You know, I, I sometimes blame our, uh, my, my, my guys and, and because I know Skelelo personally, I, take, I hope he won't take offense. Mm. If you read the, the, the criteria for for a prospect. There's one major measurable determinant there. It says the person should not have should not be more should not have more than ten tries. Mm-hmm. It does not say if you manage to have to, to become a champion within ten fights, you 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 become ineligible. So that is the correction I want to make because that is what the criteria says. And this is why it often we encourage our people that participate, give us your input. Uh, we've now also received uh, an input into the rule book from, by somebody that says, guys, I've read that this criteria and I'm not happy with it. I think that it needs to be changed. It must not say this, it must say that. But if we look at what the rule book at the time of publication, 11 January this year, said, the critical measurable determinant there, 10 minus. That's our definition okay. of a prospect. Is it correct? Is it wrong? Uh, boxing community can make input, and then if we say over and above ten minus, you must not become champion. If you are become, if you become champion, you must be ineligible. It's a new addition that obviously uh, would be amenable to consider and probably in, in, infuse in that. Okay, Mr. CEO, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us. All the best. Seventeenth of May, right? Seventeenth of May, my brother. In the coming week, we'll announce the second. Uh, leg of this. Remember that we mentioned that there are two things under one roof this time around is the awards and the tournament. Yeah. So we, uh, in the coming week we'll announce the tournament and to you personally and your team Tabiso, congratulations for the nomination. Thank you sir, we appreciate it and thank you for the vote of confidence from the boxing community of the work that we are doing. Our time is up, news is up next and they, we've just received a statement from Casta Semenya's legal team. I'm sure it will be carried in the news but the bottom line is that they're considering whether to file an appeal or not.